Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles this morning to the book of Philippians chapter number 1. If you'll also find Jeremiah chapter number 9, Philippians 1, then also Jeremiah uh, in chapter number 9. Enjoyed that song. Thank you, Miss Chanel, for that. It's very difficult for us to stand still uh, and just let God do what God does. Uh, we want to get our hands in it. Uh, we want to we wanna fix stuff uh, on our own. Uh, and chances are, uh, if you're like me, when you try to fix stuff on your own, you mess it up even worse. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so letting God move, uh, it's a wonderful song to start out uh, our services here uh, this morning. It is, again, our 53rd anniversary uh, as a church, and I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for its uh, testimony. I'm thankful for uh, the pastors, the previous pastors that were here, and uh, the influence that they've had uh, both on this church and uh, on you uh, and in this community. Uh, and if the Lord doesn't come back, uh, I hope that uh, the church continues to go forward uh, and to do things for the Lord uh, and to have a good testimony, to be a lighthouse in this area, which we need more of. I mentioned this on Wednesday, perhaps even this last week, uh, but there have been a lot of churches. There's churches, more churches closing than there are opening uh, and being planted, uh, which, is, uh, which is sad, uh, but, um, but it's, it's the truth. And uh, it's kind of ramped up a little bit uh, during the pandemic uh, and now the recession uh, that uh, is going on. By the way, we're in a recession, uh, and even though they're trying to uh, change the definition, uh, and uh, I'm going to start changing the definitions on stuff. People tell me something like, no, that's not what that means, uh, and just change it up, and uh, it seems like politicians get away with it, so I'm going to try it. Uh, and, uh, but uh, clo- churches have been closing uh, the doors. Some of the, uh, the reasons are due to uh, the stuff that I just mentioned, uh, but it also has to do with uh, with the dedication of God's people. Um, I was trying to, to teach some younger pastors uh, who are uh, trying to uh, build cool churches uh, and uh, explain to them uh, when years ago, in fact, um, there was a time years ago where we were starting to get an influx uh, from some local churches here of people who were uh, senior saints uh, that couldn't handle it anymore uh, in the churches that they were at. Uh, and uh, because they begin to cater to uh, more of the younger crowd with their music and everything else. But here's what happened uh, to some of those, and which happened to some bigger ones in Seattle and uh, Seattle area as well, is that um, it's, the, it's the, the older people that pay the bills. Uh, and uh, they're the ones who are faithful and tithe and, and give to uh, the local church and have built. And it's sad because uh, many of them uh, spent uh, much of their lives at a, at a church and, and doing all that uh, for it to fold uh, and, uh, and, and go away, be dissolved uh, because it's not solvent or whatever. And uh, I mean, God's work, God supplies for God's work and he supplies that through God's people. Uh, and uh, but um, what was happening is those people, they'd run off uh, all the uh, the the senior saints and then they didn't have any money to pay the bills. Young people are really good for standing up and praising in worship services uh, and saying how great the worship is, uh, but they don't worship in giving. Uh, and, and so that's one of the reasons. And there are lots of reasons and I could state them and be up here uh, half the day. Uh, just explaining reasons why churches uh, in our area have folded up. It's a dark area. Uh, it's uh, a, uh, people would say it's a preacher's graveyard. Uh, it is, you can feel the oppression uh, at times if you are uh, praying and, uh, and you want God to work. It's, uh, it's a needy area. 
And we need more churches. We don't need less churches. So as these churches are closing up, and, uh, and by the way, it's not just church plants closing. It's churches, established churches that have been here for many years uh, who pastors have just popped smoke and they're out uh, and, uh, and have left the state. Uh, and by the way, for the same reason other people uh, leave the state, uh, they have better opportunity. Uh, they could have more house uh, for the money uh, and, uh, and uh, make more, uh, et cetera, et cetera, be in a you know, red state, blue state, all of that. And I'm, I'm mentioning that to say this, is that um, if, it's, uh, if that's the reason why, before we pray and discern God's will, that we would leave the state, um, then it, I guess it's okay for those preachers to do that. Uh, if, uh, but I, I remember years ago, somebody was leaving, and they were telling me their plan and, uh, and you know, why, they, why they, they would be better off or whatever and uh, where they're moving. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to do that. Uh, and uh, they're like, do what? I said, I'm going to move. Um, well, what do you mean? Well, I'm sure I, you know, uh, find, you know, greener pastures or, uh, you know, this, that, and opportunities or whatever. I said, I'm going to do that. They go, you can't do that. You're the pastor. Uh, and, uh, and I said, well, if you can do it, I can do it. Uh, and I think it made them upset uh, and, uh, as they did leave. But I was trying to prove a point. We need, to, we need more churches. Uh, if all the, if all the uh, godly people leave the state of Washington, uh, then uh, we'll be in a greater mess uh, than we were before that. So uh, churches are closing. There are lots of reasons for that. Uh, and some of it has to do with economics and all the pressures of the world. But some of it has to do with, with our steadfastness and our devotion uh, to the Lord. Which brings us to our text in here today. Uh, I, I can think of no better uh, text for our anniversary and to try to encourage us to go forward uh, and to go forward in the right ways uh, than looking at the churches of Macedonia, uh, the church at Philippi in particular. And uh, I'm going to read our text here in a moment and then back up a little bit and explain uh, why I'm preaching it from the words of Paul uh, himself. I, I kind of want to be like Paul. Uh, I've got the short part down, uh, and uh, I've got plenty of thorns in the flesh, uh, and uh, so we're kind of alike that way. And uh, but uh, but I want to be, um, I want our church to be like churches in the Bible. Uh, I want to pastor and shepherd a local church uh, like like the examples that we have in the Bible. Um, to present the church uh, spotless and blameless, uh, the Lord could come back at any time. And I just want to be, I want to have a church that's being faithful to the Word of God. Uh, and it's not all about just trying to fill the church up, seeing how many people we can pack in. Uh, those times have, uh, you know, their time. Uh, but it's how are we uh, preparing ourselves for the, Lord to, for the Lord's return? How can we remain faithful to the Lord and remain faithful to God's Word? Uh, and the answers to that are in the Bible. I'd like to invite you to stand as we read our text from Philippians chapter number 1. And this is a prayer of the Apostle Paul for the church at Philippi. The church at Philippi was a wonderful church. It was a great church. Uh, they, they, were, um, uh, they were blessed uh, and they were a loving church. But every church has room for improvement. Um, until the Lord comes back, till we see Him as He is, till we get a glorified... I mean, we can always improve upon uh, our walk with the Lord. We can improve upon uh, our church and our dedication to the Lord. And this is His prayer beginning in verse number 9. 
And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that he may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, under the glory uh, and praise of God. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless this message today. We love you in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So Paul, praying for the church at Philippi. And by the way, as you read the letters of Paul to uh, the different churches, to, to different pastors, the pastoral epistles, um, the language that Paul uses oftentimes, uh, it's, well, it's King James Bible language. Uh, it, uh, there are things that, uh, that God uses in his words, and one of those that we're going to read here uh, in a second uh, is uh, bowels, all right? Uh, and uh, when, we, when you hear the word bowels, some of you got nervous. Uh, and because uh, you don't know uh, what I'm going to say. But in Bible language, it was an expression of love. Uh, you know, my bowels yearn for you. You put that in your love note, uh, you know, to, uh, to your potential mate. Uh, and, uh, and so don't do that now, though. I'm just, I'm just saying uh, they will run and run, run away. Uh, and, but in Bible times, uh, there was different verbiage and language. Uh, and so the expression uh, is used, and we're going to read it here. So Paul, um, he, his crown and joy uh, were the people of God. He loved those that had been reached with the gospel. He longed uh, many times to see them face to face. He oftentimes, because of life and ministry and, uh, and how God was working, he couldn't get to the people uh, that he wanted to get to. Uh, and so he wrote letters to them, which we have uh, in the Word of God, and eventually would try to get there. And in his stead, uh, would sometimes send other people. Uh, he would encourage the churches in letters to receive uh, those people as, as himself, uh, that uh, he, he talked about putting things to his account in charge. And, and, and he would remind them to be hospitable and uh, to, to love these people. Uh, and, and in Paul-like fashion, many times uh, said, you owe me uh, even your own life. And, uh, and he would pull that card, uh, which is okay. Uh, and uh, which is, uh, which is a, you know, a, a thing that pastors, it's okay for them to do. I think that you, uh, you love and you sow uh, and you reap what you sow and you invest. Uh, and then sometimes it's like, hey, uh, as a pastor, love you, pray for you, be there for you, cheer alongside you, uh, you know, weep with you when, uh, you know, come uh, do this, pick you up at the airport, mow your grass, watch your kids or whatever. Uh, and, then, uh, and then sometimes I go, hey, um, would you mind staying up all night with me cooking some barbecue? <laughs> uh, and they go, yes. Uh, and, uh, and if they say no, I say, you owe me, even your own life, uh, and uh, come help me uh, make some barbecue. And I'm thankful for Brother Springer, Brother Hugo, last night doing that very thing, Brother Jesse uh, as well, uh, and, uh, and helping me out. Didn't have to, didn't have to pull that card at all. Uh, they, they volunteered, amen. Uh, but Paul loved the people. Uh, and, uh, and I, you know, uh, I, love, I love ministry and I love uh, serving. Preachers oftentimes kid amongst themselves uh, most, most of the time and say the ministry would be great if it weren't for the people. And, uh, and you know, with people come people problems, uh, difficult things. Uh, everybody uh, has, you know, stuff going on, baggage, 
Uh, I was thinking uh, about uh, you know people joining the church, just saying, "All right, this, we're kind of like you know uh, an airline. You get one free check bag. <laughs> you get one, one one set of baggage. That's it. Uh, and uh, don't bring all your baggage, just one, uh, and uh, work it all out before you come." Uh, but people have problems and people have difficulties, and and uh, and I, uh, you know, we we love one another. There are times where we say, "I love you," but I don't like you. Uh, you've maybe used that expression uh, at times when you're when you're dealing with somebody. Uh, but the love that we have for one another, the Bible says, we ought to have it. We ought to love the brethren. But there's a distinction here that Paul makes in the first part of Philippians that I think is important. Because our love for one another is fickle. Um, it's oftentimes dependent upon circumstances and, uh, you know, feelings, emotions. Uh, we, know, we know from the Bible that love is action, love is commitment, love is devotion. Uh, but we've been uh, influenced over the course of time uh, that love is feeling uh, in, in emotion. Uh, but it's, it, it's more than that. It is that. Uh, but it's more than that. Let's back up just a little bit and in the chapter number one. Uh, of course, he writes uh, in the beginning part, uh, says Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, all the saints. Uh, so he's uh, to all the saints that are in Philippi, but of course, by inspiration of God, it's to us today it, with the word of God, to the bishops, the deacons, bishops, elders, they were all they were pastors, words that uh, he used almost interchangeably. And he would say grace uh, be unto you in peace. These are uh, normal things that Paul would say. And he was thankful. Verse 3 says, I thank uh, the, my God upon every remembrance of you. I'm thankful for Berean Baptist Church. I'm thankful for the people of Berean Baptist Church. Uh, I, I get to go to other churches uh, and, uh, and preach or, or visit. Uh, I, I counsel oftentimes with preachers uh, from other churches who are going through difficult times. And, uh, and, uh, and we just, uh, you know, every now and then, there might be just this little issue and that little issue, but we've been blessed. Uh, over the course of time, in the years that I've been here, to not have any major problems and major splits and everything else. Uh, and, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, I, I tell people about our business meetings, and, and pastors are like, man, wish our business meetings were that way. And uh, like I've, uh, I've been doing this since the days of New Heights till now. I'm like, would somebody please have a question? Uh, would somebody please have a problem? Uh, and uh, whatever, it's like, blah, 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 and, and everything's going good. Now, that's what most pastors would want. And I'm thankful for that because I know that's not uh, the same uh, in every other place. And he's always, verse number four, in every prayer of mine, uh, for you all making requests with joy. Uh, He prayed for them and his prayer was a joyful prayer. Remember elsewhere in the Bible, he said that he's not to minister. He's to feed the flock of God, but not by constraint. Um, not because he has to, because he wants to, and he does it with joy. Uh, and that's, of course, beneficial to, to Paul or to a pastor, but it's also beneficial uh, to the church, and he points that out to them. Uh, and, uh, you know, we say happy, happy wife, happy, happy life. Uh, there's also an adage like happy pastor, happy church. Happy church, happy pastor. Uh, and that's how it all works, joy, praying. Uh, he's not praying lumps of coal on their head. Uh, He's not praying that God would take vengeance upon them. He loved them and he prayed for them uh, with joy. I'm going somewhere with this. Bear with me. For your fellowship, verse number five, in the gospel from the first day until now, he longed to fellowship uh, with them, but it's also around the gospel. Uh, And he says that God, who's begun a good work, he's going to complete it. And I'm thankful for that. 
and he says, I love you, and God is working in you and through you, and he is going to perform that until the day of Jesus Christ, when the Lord comes back. Uh, and he says, verse 7, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, uh, because I have you in my heart, uh, and he also says, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense of, in confirmation of the gospel, uh, you're all partakers of my grace, the same grace uh, that he was a partaker of, they were also uh, partakers of. Uh, and he says, I have you in my heart. Uh, that's the love. Uh, he's saying, I love you uh, and I love you from my heart. Also, uh, I, he's saying, I love you because of the stuff I've had to go through, you know, with you and for you. Uh, and uh, Paul's done that and he would commend himself at times uh, in his letters. But here's where it changed a little bit. Verse 8, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what that means in short, because I've got to move on. Um, that term was a term of endearment. And people would say that, you know, I could say, you know, uh, honey, my bowels yearn for you. Uh, and, uh, and my wife's like, no, they don't. Uh, and, uh, but in the Bible times, that was cool, all right? Uh, and it meant something. So he says, I love you, have you in my heart. But he says, uh, my love for you uh, is a love that I have through the bowels of Jesus Christ. Not only is it his heart towards them, but it's the love of Christ and the grace of God in him, in Jesus Christ through him. He says, I, I love you uh, like I love the Lord and like, the, like, the, 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 uh, like I love the Lord and like the Lord loves you. Uh, it's, it's, it's more than just a, my love for you. Uh, it's the love of Christ through me into you, which kind of elevates the thoughts that he has uh, about the church at Philippi. Uh, when we love people in Christ and through Christ, uh, it, it, it takes on a different, a different tone. It's not the same. Uh, and again, we, you know, we say, I love, like, I love sushi, all right? Um, but it's not, it's not like this kind of love. Um, I, I prefer it. I enjoy it. But we throw that word around a lot. Uh, teenagers, like on the phone or whatever, I think they still talk. They might text. We text, I love you. Uh, and, uh, and as a parent, you're like, you have no idea what love is. Uh, and uh, because we just throw those terms around. Uh, and, uh, you know, how many, how, how many uh, you know, puppy love, uh, teenage loves do they say, I love, I love, I love, I love, until finally God shows them uh, the one true love, perhaps, and, uh, and, uh, and they understand it uh, a whole lot differently. But Paul says, I love you um, a lot. And it's through uh, Jesus Christ uh, and uh, in verse number eight, and then he gets into the prayer, which is our text uh, for our service today and the points I'm going to give you here uh, in a moment. Uh, and uh, all that to say, um, I, want, I want our church to be like the church of Philippi or the church of Thessalonica, right? The church, is, uh, the church at Berea. Uh, I, I think that we ought to pattern uh, how we worship and what we do from those churches. And, and I, want to, I want to be uh, for you uh, as a pastor, what Paul was. Uh, and I want the affection that I have for you uh, to be that kind of verse number eight through Jesus Christ. Because if I'm going to be, uh, you know, straightforward and honest and transparent, uh, there are times where, uh, where my love, personal, like my heart would wane. Uh, it would it would change as to, you know, uh, you know, there, there, there are times as a pastor where, 
you, the more you love, the less you're loved, like Paul had written. Uh, you know, or have I become thine enemy uh, because I tell you the truth? Um, there, there are moments to where frustration would come in, uh, and, uh, and it's just like, you know, I'm praying for them and I love them, uh, but, uh, but I'm not liking them very much right now. Uh, and, uh, and I don't want that to be, uh, for me personally as a pastor, the kind of love that sustains me in ministry, because I don't want to minister by constraint. It's been, uh, you know, a, a busy few days, well, busy weeks. Uh, and it was, you know, yesterday it started early, you know, all the different stuff, whatever, uh, trying to be Rambo around here and, uh, and, uh, and chasing off uh, bad guys to uh, having the events and the different stuff and get things ready and all the food or whatever. I wouldn't do that for just anybody. Uh, I, it just, if somebody's like, hey, pastor, I wouldn't do that for just anybody. Why? Because this is where God's called me to pastor. Uh, and this is where my heart is, and this is where the people I love are, uh, and, uh, and I do that with joy. Uh, and I've told this church a bazillion times, if I've told it once, uh, is that the, the moment that that joy was gone, um, then, then, then we have to change pastors. Um, I, I don't want to ever serve God by constraint. I don't want to wake up and go, now today it's kind of like, you know, went home, tried to, tried to sleep for a little bit, had a headache, had to come back and uh, wrap stuff up, whatever. There's a part in the flesh that's kind of like, oh, I'm going to stay in bed today. Um, because that's just our fleshly, to, to fatigue and, to, and whatever. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't roll uh, off the couch and, uh, and, uh, and say, all right, um, you know, uh, I'm, I got to go in. And uh, that's just not, so I want, I want this, but I also want for you uh, to have the same spirit that's listed in these verses. That's how it all works. Uh, uh, he, he loves them. Uh, they love the Lord. Uh, they serve the Lord. Uh, they have characteristics uh, that are laid out in the Bible. That is the prayer that he wants for them uh, and the points of, our, of my message. The first thing is this. He says to them, I want you to be a devoted people. Look at verse number nine. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. Um, he talks about love and, uh, and not in a way that, as I've referenced, it's a loosey-goosey kind of love. Uh, it's not a, um, I have in the, my notes here from a previous message, love is not a wild, ignorant enthusiasm, uh, but the warm affection of a heart guided by extensive and accurate knowledge and by clear spiritual perception. Let me read that again. Love is not a wild, ignorant enthusiasm, but the warm affection of a heart guided by extensive and accurate knowledge and by clear spiritual perception. It's not just some emotion. Uh, There's knowledge behind it. When we say, hey, um, as a church, we're just supposed to love one another. That is true. Uh, but there's some qualifiers uh, in there, and there's some knowledge that comes along with. Uh, there are times where I love uh, people, uh, but I don't necessarily agree or tolerate or condone the things that they do with their life. Doesn't mean that I don't love them, but my love for them has to be tempered by uh, the Word of God. Uh, by, it's a warm affection of heart uh, guided by accurate knowledge. And he says to this church, he says, I love you. And I love you through, like, you know, through the bowels of Jesus Christ. Uh, that to them be like, that's a lot. 
It's like, uh, you know, we say, how much do you, uh, you know, I love you this much or whatever. But for them, it's like, hey, um, this is, he loves us through Jesus Christ. It's not just his heart, uh, but through the Lord. Uh, and he says, and I pray for you and I pray for you with joy. And my prayer is, is that you are, uh, that you, you grow and love yourself. Uh, and that you are, uh, uh, that it's not just a feigning kind of feeling of love, uh, but it's based on knowledge uh, and, and, and sincerity. He says, this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So he, he wants them to be a loving people. He wants them to be a, uh, a knowing uh, and a judicious uh, people. Uh, he says that in all knowledge and in judgment. So there's sincerity. There is, uh, he wants them to be discerning. Um, I've already referenced the day and age and it, uh, that we live in. Uh, it's, just, it's crazy time. Uh, evil being called good and uh, everything turned upside down. And again, uh, just redefining uh, words. It's not just you have your own truth, uh, but you get like words don't even mean what words mean. Uh, and you just get to make stuff up. Uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely disheartening uh, when you look at it from uh, a worldly perspective. Uh, but God says, I want you to grow in love, and, but and also in knowledge and judgment. Uh, that you are discerning. Uh, that you discern what is right and what is wrong. Uh, that you that you can uh, that you can make those judgment calls and uh, and and to be. Uh, by the way, when he says that uh, you're to be or to grow in all judgment, it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard for you to toe that line about like you know we're not supposed to judge uh, because the Bible tells us that we're supposed to grow in all judgment, uh, both in the context of. Um, of our own soberness of mind in our own decision making, knowledge in that type of judgment, but this has the the understanding uh, of of a judicial type of a judgment where we we make decisions, we we discern and judge between what is right and what is wrong. And by the way, it's not just so that we can come to a conclusion in our, in our own head. It's for us to say, hey, <laughs> you know, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. Um, uh, when I came on these people the other day, uh, and uh, and it was it was kind of a uh, sketchy moment. And as I surprised them, they but the time they pulled in, I was um, I was already coming because of the burglary alarm. And so I was watching them on the cameras. They backed in towards the buses, and when they backed in, it was like ninety seconds before I was on top of them. And they probably wondered how in the world, <laughs> you know, uh, what kind of security force is this uh, that shows up? They, I mean, they just pulled in, had the gas cap off. And, and here's what they're, they're like, you know, like, what? We're not doing anything. <laughs> uh, and like, you're stealing gas. Thus the gas cans and the gas cap off. Uh, and, uh, and like, no, like, okay, you're right. You're not doing anything wrong. It's 5, 5.30 in the morning. Uh, and, uh, but it's like, we can't even, like, Something that is plain, you're a thief, don't do that. That is wrong. It's not right. Does that gas belong to you? Um, no. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's so crazy uh, that people can flat out do stuff and go like, well, you know, it's nothing wrong. Or, or we thought you weren't using it. 
<laughs> you know, uh, and uh, so, you know, and again, I know gas prices are high and whatever, and they, they have diesel truck and needed diesel gas, but hey, just knock on the door. Uh, and uh, I've got uh, the, the, aren't you thankful for air conditioning, amen? And I was going to roll up some of those coils of, of copper, like at my house, we just did that, roll up a roll and lean it against my air conditioning unit with a note said, please take this. Leave my unit alone. Here's some free copper for you. Uh, because people, like, they just take whatever they want. So when we think of what's right and what's wrong, it's not just so that we can have uh, some sense of uh, moral uh, whatever. Uh, it has to do with us judging uh, and making those judgment calls and saying that. And that's what I want. I want, God, I want you to grow in love uh, and abound in that, but also uh, according to knowledge and in judgment, a devoted people, a discerning people, uh, a discriminating people. And now notice I didn't say uh, that we, are, uh, we, are, we have discrimination. But let me say this. You discriminate every day. All right? Um, the word discrimination means to make a difference or distinction. Uh, to observe or note a difference, right? And so um, as I was, you know, as I was picking up pork uh, at Costco uh, and I grab a package and I'd look at it and I wanted everything to weigh um, pretty much the same, this package to that package. Uh, and so I'd pick one up uh, and, uh, and I'd set it aside and a person goes, um, what's wrong with that one? I don't want it. Well, there, aren't they all the same? I'm like, no, they're not. They're not all the same, and this one's better. Uh, if you grab, you, you can grab brisket. If you grab avocados, you know you, you can. You have to discern which one you're going to take. You you make judgment calls and discern um, uh, every single day, and you discriminate from one avocado to the next avocado. You discriminate about uh, well. You say I'm not going to. I'm, I'm I never eat there. Well, why? That's just it's not up to my standards. Uh, it's discrimination, but it's good discrimination. I'm not talking about racism and all that kind of stuff. It's that God says you're supposed to be a discriminating people. Look at verse number 10, that you may approve things that are excellent. And by the way, um, we're supposed to approve all things. What that means is it's not, it's not my job as a pastor uh, or your Sunday school teacher or any other spiritual influence in your life to show to you or to prove to you uh, what you're doing is wrong, uh, it is up to you to prove that what you're doing is right. Um, you know, tell me, show me in the Bible where it's wrong. No, 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 no. You show me in the Bible where it's right. Prove all things. Um, so so, so it's, it's all back on us uh, to do that. So if you got whatever it is, uh, and uh, pastors think it's, you know, it's wrong, and I don't, you know, show me that it's right, uh, and, uh, and prove that. Be discriminating, uh, and uh, you make the choice that you may prove things that are excellent. Uh, I want us as a church going forward, uh, and by the way, we take the stands that we take based on the Word of God. We are discerning, and we are discriminating, uh, and uh, so don't go here and say, pastor says we have to have discrimination. You need to be discriminating. You need to make choices and right choices for your life. That's what Paul prayed those people would do. They're already a church that was a great church, uh, but he says, I want you to have more love, be devoted. I want you to be discerning uh, in knowledge and in all judgment. I want you to be a discriminating people that you may prove uh, those things uh, that are excellent uh, and without offense till the day of Christ. And so, uh, again, an inoffensive people uh, as well. 
uh, without, you know, he wants us to be pure and he wants us to, 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 to live right for him and to be salt and light, uh, a lighthouse in this area. Uh, and he's praying that for them, which is my prayer uh, for this church uh, and for the 54th year, in 56th and 60th, whatever. If the Lord doesn't come back, this church needs to be what it's doing what it's doing now, five years from now, 10 years from now, according to the word of God. Not changing. Uh, I mean, I get technology, all the different stuff. I mean, all that stuff is great. Uh, and, uh, but, but, but having a pure church that's, that loves, that's discerning, discriminating, but is also, he says, I want you to be a delightful people as well. He says, being filled, verse number 11, with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory uh, and praise of God. By the way, you know, grace teaches us to deny ungodliness. You know, I'm, I'm out of time, so um, we don't need to go through all the different. Grace, where sin abounds, grace does more abound, uh, doth more abound, but grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Uh, it, uh, it does what a lot of churches say the opposite uh, of what it does. Uh, but he says, I want you to be a delightful people. I had you turn to Jeremiah 9, 24. Let's read that real quick. Uh, and, uh, and I'm going to continue with these thoughts uh, during our afternoon service. Give us three points in the afternoon service uh, between chapters 1 and chapter number 2 as part of his prayer. But in Jeremiah 9, verse number 24, um, here's what the Bible says. It says, But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exerciseth, uh, exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness, in the earth. Now, we could stop there and park and, and preach till tomorrow on, on all those little aspects uh, of uh, what understand means and knowing means and loving kindness, judgment, righteousness. Uh, and, uh, and it says in the earth, but he says this, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Um, our a goal that we have as Christians should be to bring glory to God. That's really why we are alive and uh, in, in not in heaven. Uh, God saved us. Not, if, if he had nothing for us to do, he just would have saved us, took us home. But he has us here. And he says, I don't want you to glory in anything else except the glory in understanding and knowing me. Uh, Paul elsewhere says to know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. Uh, to know and understand God. Uh, and, uh, and that God is a, he exercises loving kindness and uh, in judgment and righteousness. He says, these are things that delight. If I want to live a life to please the Lord, I need to do the things that, that the Lord delights in. Uh, and by the way, if there's some things he delights in, there's things that he doesn't delight in. Uh, there's two sides to all of that. So for 53 years uh, for Brian Baptist Church and uh, has had different pastors and, uh, and, uh, and if you've been here for any length of time, uh, there's been ministry philosophies that are different uh, and, uh, uh, throughout the years. And, uh, and I remember when I first got here uh, and, and I told everybody, when the church voted me in, I said, I'm, I'm kind of way to the right. Uh, and they're like, okay, and they you know, voted. Uh, and then straight away, there was a little bit of difficulties and different stuff. And, uh, and, uh, but, um, but here's the thing. God wants, us, God wants us to do his work this way. God's work done God's way. That's what brings God's blessing. And I believe this with all my heart, that for 53 years, uh, if we, by preaching truth and staying true to this and being faithful to this and not, you know, um, 
capitulating to culture, whatever, is the reason why uh, with the church, we're not a big church by any stretch of the imagination, but, but it's a solid church and a faithful church that God has blessed. And, uh, and we're able to do a, a lot of things for missions in particular uh, and, uh, and stuff around the world. Uh, and this church has a testimony uh, that is a good testimony in a lot of different ways uh, when that's just not true uh, of a lot of churches. And that's all because of you uh, and, and your faithfulness to God and faithfulness to, and, and your, your willingness to, uh, to accept truth. And sometimes it's difficult. Uh, maybe you've got to conform or maybe it's something that you don't necessarily agree with, but you jump in uh, for the bigger picture and for what God wants to do here and God will bless. And God will continue to bless our church going forward. Uh, if we just, if, I'm praying that, I'm praying for you uh, what Paul, and by the way, I'm praying it for me, what Paul prayed for that church at Philippi. Uh, and, uh, and if we can just be devoted in discerning and discriminating and live to bring delight uh, to the Lord, I believe God will give us many more years. Uh, and churches around us can be closing. Uh, and pastors can be fleeing. Uh, but God will strengthen our church and bless us and help us going forward. Let's all stand uh, with our heads bowed and, uh, this morning. And, uh,